Thanks for tuning in as we continue walking through our fundamental study. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Excited to uh, welcome you on this journey as we walk through fundamentals of our faith. Um, and if you've been listening, welcome back. Uh, excited as we continue uh, to walk through uh, all about the Bible. Uh, the first three sessions of this study, we talked about uh, what the Bible is and uh, just some of its contents, how it's put together, who wrote it, how we can study it. Now we're kind of in the middle of seeing how the Bible is true. Um, as a as a reminder, last week we talked about uh, why we don't innately see it as true. So what is hindering us from just immediately everybody in the earth uh, believing that the Bible is true and that really, really hinders on indwelling sin. That's really what this that conversation hinged on. Uh, the indwelling sin we received as an inheritance from Adam. And this is simply just the condition or the state of sin that all human beings are born into. Uh, Romans 5.12 says, Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. First uh, Corinthians 15.22, For as in Adam all die. Romans 5.19, one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Uh, so you see all throughout the Bible just kind of a reminder of this, that our uh, hinged unbelief, our, our bent, bentness uh, against believing in the Bible as truthful, just naturally in our own understanding, uh, really always comes back to the indwell, the condition, the state of sin that we're all born into. And so today, our, our main objective and kind of going further into this discussion is uh, the ways that the Holy Spirit, the avenues that the Holy Spirit takes to change our perspective of Scripture. And the reason I say the avenues the Holy Spirit takes is because no amount of evidence, of intellectual discussion, testimony, can take the place of the Spirit's work to open our eyes and hearts and even our minds to the validity, the divinity, like we talked about last week, of the Bible. And so the Holy Spirit takes different avenues to kind of show us that, to, to reveal that to us. Uh, we talked a lot about, and I feel like we're going to continue talking a lot about 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, that the person without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. He considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are only discerned through the Spirit. It's that drill bit and the screw analogy we've talked about that, uh, you know, apart from really leaning on the Holy Spirit, we might see some truth of the Bible. We might get something, you know, meaningful, helpful, applicable for our life uh, by just reading it. We might crack the surface. But unless we have the bit, the Holy Spirit, that can truly lock into that screw, that screw of biblical truth, it really will never sink fully in unless we are equipped with the Holy Spirit and can see it in the way that it's going to reveal it to us, the truth of the Bible. And so uh, I think there's four ways. There's probably, uh, we could really deep dive a lot of these um, in a lot of depth, but we're really just going to take an overview of four main ways, four main avenues that the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of the Bible to us. Uh, so one of those is going to be, two of those are going to be uh, how the, the Holy Spirit really um, proves the Bible true, how the Bible itself is kind of its best evidence of truth and what makes the Bible truthful just in its content. 
and that'll be the first two that we talk about, first two avenues we talk about. The last two avenues we talk about are going to be how the Bible was proved truthful externally, so how it's proved truthful in our life, so how it's um, authenticated and how it produces faith in us, how it's authenticated in the way it's applied in our life and how it produces faith in us. So two, internally, how the Bible is true, and two, externally, how we see the Bible is true by the effects of itself. Um. And so I'm excited for us to walk into this and, and for you guys to dig into this in your group. So in our time together, um, I hope this is helpful and just kind of aids in, in what you're going to be walking through in your groups. Uh, big thing to know before we dive in, uh, a lot of the research and study and helpful commentary from this section of our fundamental study actually came from J.I. Packer's book, A Quest for Godliness. And so I'll be sure to link that. Uh, in the uh, in the uh, comments or in the uh, description of the podcast, if that's a book that interests you, this is a great read, um, very intellectual read about uh, just the nature of the Bible and was a great resource for us as we put this together. Uh, so I encourage you, if this is something that's really intriguing to you, to really to buy that book and, and read it. It's, it's really, really good. Uh, so I'll link that in the description for the podcast. But let's jump right in. Um, so avenue number one that the Bible is proved as truthful uh, and the Holy Spirit shows us this is that the Bible is a giving of revelations. It's a giving of revelations. And that word revelation, I encourage you to challenge your groups to try to define that before you give them the answer. But uh, Packer um, describes and denotes revelation as any immediate informative communication from God. So that's the first part. It's it's communication from God. And the second part of that is that it, he is disclosing things that could otherwise not have been known. So what's that saying? What that's saying is this is something God is telling us from himself that we in our own ability cannot have understood, cannot have obtained. It's essentially what he's saying. And so the Bible is full, Old Testament and New, of recorded revelations, recorded things from God, things that would not have been known. And so in the Old Testament, you see a lot of this through the major and minor prophets, really kind of either hearing God's audible voice, uh, seeing visions, being told by God different things through miracles and signs and wonders. Whereas in the New Testament, uh, these men, or the, the apostles as they're called, received revelation really from the life of and the teaching of Jesus. They, they were able to clearly see Jesus' intentions behind his words, his action, his teaching, or Jesus just speci- specifically told them. There's times in the New Testament where Jesus is truly just teaching them in a parable, a story, and then he'll immediately describe it so that they clearly understand what that mean, what that story, what that, um, that teaching truly meant. And so in the Old Testament, it's called prophetic witness. In the New Testament, it's called apostolic witness. And so both of these are are ways that revelations were given, received, transmitted into into God's Word to make the content true, to make the content divine. And so we talk about a little bit about like 2 Peter 1.21 and John chapter 21. Those are two verses that, that you guys will go through. But really the point of these is that None of these prophecies or revelations had its origin in human will. That's Second Peter chapter one, and then John twenty one. It's really they're just talking about we are testifying to the things that have happened, 
and written them down. These are these are truths, things that we could not have known that have come from God that we are recording. We are we are recording these revelations, these truths, not by our own will, not by something we could conjure up, but from God, things that could otherwise have not been known. And in it's a great Packer has a great quote there that's in your book that the the content of these revelations were so convincing, Old and New Testament, that the source of the message was never questioned. There was never doubt as to who it came from, you know, what what was really trying to be conveyed. Um, none of these things were, were questioned. They they received them from God, knew they were from God, and acted accordingly to the to the extent of recording them. Uh, by writing them down for a long time, these were passed down by oral tradition, um, and now they've been written and recorded and useful uh, to us today. And so um, I think a common question is, or at least I know there, there could be that question out there of, okay, why why is there not, why has the Bible stayed the same? Why is there not anything being added? Does that mean God isn't alive, he's not doing anything, he's not active. Why is the Bible just stayed with the content that it is? And and a lot of our belief comes from there's no need there's there's no need that is remaining for this private revelation re, re, revelation, excuse me, of new truth, right? Like the God has given us everything we need through the 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 revelation, the, the teaching, the um the prophecy of the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, recipients, and these being recorded has left us without need. And and really today, if if you do hear of someone, you know, thinking there is a new revelation or we need a new revelation of truth for us, it it's kind of in the standpoint of okay, if if this new revelation does agree with what's in Scripture, this is just kind of a good filter for you. If this "Quote unquote new revelation does match up with the truth of Scripture. What is really the need of it, anyways? Is it even necessary? Uh, it's already been recorded. It's already in God's Word. There's no need for anything new if it agrees with it. Um, it's already in God's Word. If it disagrees with God's Word, this re- quote unquote revelation, we can we can believe and trust that that is not that's false. It's false teaching, false doctrine. It's not true. And so, really." We, we have to trust as followers of Jesus that God has given us everything we need through the revelations that's already, that have already been given, that have already been recorded. And that's what makes the content of the Bible true, is that it's from God and things that we could not have otherwise known or found or identified, only things God has told us. And so not only is the content true, knowing that these are revelations, the giving of revelations, the receiving, writing them down, that's our first point. Uh, the content's true in that way, but also the cause makes the Bible true. The source of the cause for the Bible to be recorded and in our hands today. Um, but these, like I said, these apostles and, and prophets infallibly received and understood and declared the truth of God. And so, when I think about the word inspired, one of my this isn't a baseball reference necessarily. One of my favorite football players growing up was Ray Lewis. Uh, middle linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, and he had this iconic uh, introduction before the game would start. The the you know the smoke would billow out of the tunnel. He would kind of run through the Ravens helmet, and he would do this like really uh, just signature like dance move uh, 
that would just get his team fired up. I mean, it was every time I feel like the Ravens played on TV, they had to make sure before the game started they got uh, they recorded Ray Lewis's you know hype introduction. And and the reason was that he was inspiring his team, right? He was firing up his team, his fans, uh, to perform. And so when I think of inspiration, I almost think about an action that causes a reaction. Whenever I try to d- describe uh, inspiration, an action that causes a reaction. And for for these apostles and prophets, the the action was God's working and delivering of this revelation to themselves, and the reaction was the writing down of Scripture, was the recording of Scripture. And so not only was the content from God, but also the cause of their recording, the cause of their inspiration to write down, to see this this truth and the importance of it, was also from God. And so that's this is our second way that we're going to be diving into. But Paul even talks about this in 1 Corinthians one seventeen. It's kind of in that paragraph there, but... His desire was not to, was to preach the gospel not with wisdom and eloquence because he knew that if, if the cause of his preaching was was himself the, the, that it would be empty that the gospel would be emptied of its power. So not only did the the content need to be from God but also his cause. Um, and so you know we think about how does that really happen? How did how did the cause of the writing of Scripture come from God? That had to be you know. The, the apostles and the prophets surely had to come up with, you know, the desire to do that, the words, the way they put it together. Um, but as, as followers of Jesus, we believe that even in the midst of the writing itself, the physical writing that God was working and moving in them uh, and enabling enabling them to do that, and, and, and that these prophets and apostles were, were at, you know, their minds were active psychologically. They were thinking and, you know, uh, coming up with words in, in that sense, but being acted on spiritually. God was placing the words and the the thoughts and the truths in their mind to be recorded. Um, John Owen describes it uh, or defines inspiration in Packer's book as the inbreathing of the Holy Spirit, just like we were talking about, whereby revelations are given, received, and transmitted. Every, even as much as a single word apart from the Holy Spirit um, would have invalidated the integrity of Scripture. And so uh, as followers of Jesus, we believe that the Holy Spirit fully ordained and inspired uh, the Scripture to be written. And I I love that quote on page 86 of Packer's book, but in uh, page 33 of yours, um, he says, As a man tunes the strings of an instrument that it may in a due manner receive the impressions of his finger and give out the sound he intends... God himself acted their faculties, making use of them to express his words, not their own conception. I think that's just a beautiful way of describing how not only was the content of the message from God, the truth from God, but also the the inspiration, the, the cause of Scripture from God, the words, how they were put together. He perfectly prepared and ordained these authors uh, to write his intended word down to the letter. Uh, that it would his messages and truths would be conveyed in the way that he he designed and he declared. Um, and I think First uh, Corinthians two six through sixteen is a good chunk of scripture that uh, I would encourage you and your groups just to kind of sit and 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 meditate on, uh, marinate on for a little while, and a great opportunity to kind of compare and contrast uh, 
if we if we try even understanding scripture apart from the Holy Spirit, obviously these writers wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but if we try interpreting, we kind of talked about this a little bit already, but if we try interpreting scripture apart from the Holy Spirit, uh, the danger that that can cause. And so a good opportunity to just compare and contrast being in Christ and out of Christ, trying to approach God's word um, to kind of wrap up that second point of the inspiration of scripture. So, so far, just as a quick review uh, we've seen that the Bible is true. Two avenues that the Holy Spirit takes to show us the truth of the Bible is that, one, we come to believe that the content of the Bible is true because it's things from God uh, that we could not have otherwise known, and that the cause of Scripture is also from God, that the inspiration of Scripture is from God down to the letter, that these authors were inspired, empowered, and given the ability to infallibly, without error, receive understand and declare uh, these revelations under the work of the Holy Spirit. And so out of those two avenues, uh, we're going to see two more avenues that the Holy Spirit takes that's more external, more how the Bible shows its truth in its effects, right? So uh, almost like if you were uh, hit with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball right on the ribcage, you're going to have a bruise there, right? Like you're going to have a mark. uh, There's going to be evidence that, that baseball hit you in the ribcage uh, during your at-bat. And in the same way, Scripture authenticates itself uh, through its effects. You could tell that that fastball was thrown incredibly hard by the size and the color of the bruise that's left on your ribs. Uh, and so we're going to see how the Bible uh, shows its effects, uh, shows its truth through its effects. And and the first way that we're going to look at that is how Scripture is authentic. I'm not going to be able to say that. The authentication of Scripture. I'll leave it there. Uh, the authentication of Scripture. And there's three kind of subways um, that, that that's kind of true, that that's authenticated in our life. It's, it's authenticated by uh, the illuminating effect of Scripture, how Scripture illuminates uh, in our life. And um, it's just this sense of um, we, are, we see who we are. We see who God is. Um, we see our faults, we see uh, God's uh, righteousness, we see who Jesus is and uh, in, in just who he is in himself, who he is in relations to others, to his family, uh, and in the most broadest sense, uh, how, how we should live. The Bible is an illuminating word. Um, it, it reveals uh, things out of darkness, things that we didn't know about ourselves, um, but it's proved authenticate. It's it's authenticated in that way, and that uh, it illuminates uh, different aspects of our life. Um, Psalm one nineteen one hundred five. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. It reveals. It's a revealing word. Uh, the second kind of subway that scripture is authenticated is the spiritual effects it produces. Right, like we've all seen. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've seen how the word can produce spiritual effects in you. How the Holy Spirit uses God's word. Uh, to change you, mold you into his image. Um, and that these have a, tr- a, a huge impact on our life. They're able to build us up and equip us and um, and, and really just show um, the power of, the, of God's word through the way that it, it molds us, gives us the fruit of the spirit, so to speak. Um, and so you see Acts 20, 32 there. And then lastly, kind of that third sub-point, so it's it's illuminating, it, it causes spiritual effects in us, changes us in that way, 
and it's also seen as personal. So not only personal as in Second Peter chapter one that they that this word was received personally to you know personal people that uh, the the apostles this was the this was a eyewitness account a testimony to what was going on, but it's also personally applicable. It's it's incredibly applicable to our situations, to our circumstances, to our struggles, to our anxieties, to our fears. Uh, even though this book was written long ago, like we've talked about in previous sessions, um, it's still just as clear and evident and truthful and applicable in our lives today. And so that's that's kind of point number three. Uh, scripture is authenticated through its effects. And then our last point today is going to be um, how in Scripture our faith can be established and how the Holy Spirit ultimately uses scripture to establish faith in us. Um, it's, it's, um, it's pretty remarkable to think that, uh, this word is so powerful and that by the Holy spirit kind of removing that blindness to the truth of God's word that, uh, God uses it in such a way as he does. And in Romans 10, I love what Romans 10 verses 14 through 15 say, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, right? Like we can't, we, we don't know the life of Jesus and the character of God and the love that Jesus has for us if we don't have God's word and the Holy spirit uses those words, uses those truths rooted in his word to, to, to bring about faith in us, to create, give us faith, uh, in abundance, uh, to follow Jesus, fall in love with him and live a life worthy of what he's called us to. And so I just love that. I think, I think it's beautiful to see how this, this blindness is removed from us. And he gives us an understanding or a taste of these, of these spiritual realities and he, he enlightens us against temptation and equips us to, to attack it. And, um, we get just the, the richest truth, uh, of his love for us in scripture. And so, uh, I'll leave you, I'll leave you with the, the last quote there, um, from Packer's book. And, and I pray that, uh, this is, this is helpful. This is a difficult topic to, to unpack. And, and I'm sure an intimidating one, uh, even for myself, uh, just teaching this, believing in this, having confidence in this. Uh, this is totally a work of the Holy Spirit and uh, his revealing of God's word is truthful. And I pray that this is just helpful to see how the Holy Spirit works and the different ways the Holy Spirit works uh, in and through us to come to see the Bible is true. So I'll, I'll definitely be praying uh, for your groups as you meet. Uh, that this is this pushes you down the down the road of falling more in love with Jesus and, and becoming overwhelmingly grateful and thankful for um, how God is working in your life and how God works through your life in Scripture. So I'll leave you with a Packer's quote. The internal testimony of the Holy Spirit is not an inward voice revealing facts otherwise unknown or unknowable, nor is it an unreasoning conviction, objectively groundless, coming to us out of the blue. It is rather an activity of inward illumination whereby a man's natural spiritual blindness is removed, 
The veil is taken from the eyes of his heart. His pride and prejudice alike are broken down, and he is given both an understanding and a taste of spiritual realities. Thanks for listening.